Welcome to Flashback, a podcast by the Okaloosa County Public Information Office. Get ready to dust the nostalgia off your sleeve as we talk with Okaloosa citizens who share with us how things used to be. I'm your host, Nick Tomacek. It's time to step into your imaginary DeLorean, tap your flux capacitor, and flashback. Take a drive around Okaloosa County and you are sure to come across the names of small towns, or should I say communities, that don't have much prominence on a map. And without some simple signage, you probably wouldn't know they even existed. This episode is about one of those communities, the community of Dorcas. Just outside the city limits of Crestview, heading east on US Highway 98, past the Shoal River, and past the Emerald Coast Zoo, you'll hit the intersection of County Road 393 and another not-so-well-known community of Deerland. Turn north, and you are well on your way to the community of Dorcas. You'll pass the Shoal River again, and you'll see a white sandy beach area on one of the banks, an area I'm told that locals used to use, or may still, and gather for relaxation and socializing along the side of the river. The Dorcas Baptist Church has the most signage, and there's a reason the community kind of centers around the church area. The name itself, Dorcas, has origins in the Bible. To learn more about this community, I went to a Dorcas local who just so happens to also be the executive director of the Baker Block Museum. This is a pretty active museum that families bring their children to and explore our local history, so you may hear some background noise from visitors and children as Ann and I chat. I live in the Dorcas community. I was born in that community, uh, third generation, and uh, that's, that's where I remain still. Well, tell me a little bit. So, the Dorcas community, how did that form? What were some of the or what's the origin story of uh, the Dorcas community? It's hard to pinpoint as a community. The I know there were people there as uh, at least by the 1870s. I can can document families there. It was a little a rural sort of agricultural community in uh, that time, Walton County. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been just a rural country community. There were, um, you know, families that are native of that area that associated with it. There's been a post office many years ago. Um, I think a stagecoach route went through there probably at one time. Some churches and uh, just things associated with, with the rural communities. But in the early days, you know, they grew cotton and um, corn and just typical things that the fa- uh, family ate and then feeding livestock, etc. So what do you think it was like to live in Dorcas in those early years? And, and I guess what was it like for you kind of growing up over there? Well, in the early years, some of the uh, families there, there, there was a sawmill down on Shoal River, okay. a grist mill on Pond Creek that they uh, locals used. There was a post office. I can uh, document a post office at Dorcas from 1892. William Alexander McCollum had a post office in his home there. Mm -hmm. And there was a post office at Dorcas until 1994 when it moved to Crestview. Okay. There's a church there now. The now Dorcas Baptist Church was um, 
formed in the 1890s. It was uh, the Dorcas Congregational Church at one time, Pond Creek Congregational. Okay. Evolved over the years to, to the Baptist Association in 1966. So that is still there and operational. There's a cemetery there by the church. We refer that to that as the new Dorcas Cemetery. There's an older Dorcas Cemetery near Shoal River that was that formed at least in the... Uh, 1880s sometime. The old timers in the community told me that the um, Dorcas was named by the gentleman there that ran the post office. His name was William Alexander McCollum um, and that he named Dorcas, it's a biblical name from the Acts, ninth chapter of Acts. Dorcas was a a garment maker who was raised from the dead by Simon Peter and uh, he was said to have given Dorcas that name. County's starting to pave some of those country roads now, so things are, are a lot different. Um, but, you know, there's the stroll through the old cemeteries, uh, you know, gives a lot of the uh, pioneer names and people that, that were part of that community for many years. There's uh, the rivers and creeks. There's uh, It sits on the north side of, of Shoal River. And then Pond Creek is um, a big part of the community. It, it crosses Highway 393 a couple of times and eventually empties in, into Shoal River. So a lot of... Um, the the native pine trees is what brought a lot of the families to the area and uh, Dorcas is no exception. There were turpentine stills there in the day. My family came to Dorcas following the turpentine industry in the fall of 1919 and settled at the Bullard Turpentine Still. So um, the pine tree played an important part. Near the Dorcas community, there's now a distillery called Timber Creek Distillery. It's located on Lake Ella Road. And that is the site of where my family settled at the Bullard Turpentine Still. In the fall of 1919, the uh, distillery sits almost on the exact same site as the Bullard Turpentine Still. There was a school at Dorcas um, Probably from the late 1890s was the first school, and another, uh, that was a one-room, there was a two-room school there that went up to the 1930s. That school was located on the north side of the new Dorcas Cemetery by the Dorcas Baptist Church. By 1938-39, they built a a new school. It was um, like a straight hall with lots of classrooms. It was built by the WPA project. You heard Ann talk about the WPA. This is the Works Progress Administration. It was an ambitious employment and infrastructure program created by President Franklin Roosevelt in 1935 as part of the New Deal. And this was during the bleakest days of the Great Depression. The unemployment rate in 1935 was at a staggering 20%. The WPA was designed to provide relief for the unemployed by providing jobs and income for millions of Americans. At its height in the late 1938, more than 3.3 million Americans worked for the WPA. The WPA, which in 1939 was renamed the Works Projects Administration, employed mostly unskilled men to carry out public infrastructure projects. They built more than 4,000 new school buildings, erected 130 new hospitals, laid roughly 9,000 miles of storm drain and sewer lines, built 29,000 new bridges, constructed 150 new airfields, and on and on and on. 
Over its eight years in existence, the WPA put roughly 8.5 million Americans to work building schools, schools like the Dorcas School. Perhaps best known for its public works projects, the WPA also sponsored projects in the arts. So the agency employed tens of thousands of actors, musicians, writers, and other artists. Now back to Anne. So the school, that school was functional from 1938-39 until it closed in June of 58 and students were sent to Crestview. Okay. Was there, was it, was there a fire there too? The the school, it's stayed there in and served as a community center. Um, Everything from all sorts of gatherings, 4-H, they had carnivals and that kind of thing. But then the school burned in the late 60s. What caused it? Mysteriously burned. Mysteriously. Small towns, big towns, no one is immune to mystery and stories about where they are from. I found an article that solves at least one mystery in the Dorcas area, the mystery of the belled buzzard. I found a short article, a brief, from the June 1947 Pensacola News Journal. Here it is. The mystery of who belled the buzzard has finally been solved. The bird, captured in the Dorcas community about two months ago, aroused considerable curiosity since it was the first one ever seen in this section wearing a bell. Publicity on the event had resulted in the receipt of a letter by Alan Hatt of Dorcas from J.E. Hinson of Bermuda, Alabama, who stated that the description of the bell fits one he had placed on a buzzard about 20 years ago. He states that he made the clapper for the bell the morning he placed it on the neck of the buzzard, which had been placed in his chicken coop by a group of boys as a joke. The bell was used as a sheep bell by his grandfather. Short article on a belled buzzard, pretty interesting, I thought. I never heard of belling a buzzard. The reasoning of why someone might want to put on a bell on a buzzard? Well, it jibes with what Anne told me about the subject. She said that farmers, specifically cattle and sheep farmers, would place the bell on buzzards to be warned of their presence if a sheep or cow gave birth. They would hear the bell and know to protect the newborn calves from being eaten by the buzzards. I found another reason online, I googled it, of why people would bell a buzzard. According to a Wikipedia post, The belled buzzard is a fearsome critter in American folklore that's cited as an omen of disaster by the sounding of its bell. Belled buzzards were found as early as the 1850s, but it would be the belled buzzard's appearance in Brownsville, Tennessee during the yellow fever epidemic of 1878 that first connected the animal with a natural disaster. It was from then on that the belled buzzard legend grew and took on a more ominous tone. But it doesn't appear in the Dorcas buzzard's case that the ominous belled buzzard made its way down to northwest Florida because judging by the newspaper article where it said the bell was used as a sheep bell by his grandfather, I'm thinking that what Anne said is her story of protecting cattle while not as dramatic as an omen of disaster is most likely the reason he might want to put a bell on a buzzard. And speaking of cattle, these early Okaloosans roamed their cattle from the Alabama state line all the way down to the Santa Rosa Sound, the entire county. Northwest Florida looked a lot different then. Mainly the wooded areas were a lot more bare, with longleaf pines stretching to the sky, with a blanket of pine straw on the ground and grass sprouting up for the cattle to graze. 
In fact, the Florida Forestry Service and Eglin's Jackson Guard performed the prescribed burns in the present day precisely to sustain a healthy forest in our area. This allows new growth to spring up and helps the native vegetation and eliminates dangerous fuel that could cause an actual wildfire. Anywho, that's enough on buzzards and cattle and wildfires. Let's get back to my conversation with Anne. She mentions some other communities in the Dorcas area that I think are important, mainly because I can't find them located on a map anymore. And it's important to get their history on the record. Here's Anne again. You know, there's a couple of communities associated that are very close to Dorcas okay. that people have kind of lost in time today. The uh, Pollen Creek community was just to the east of Dorcas um, in the edge of Walton County. And um, like there were certain families over there like High Note, Griner, Hewlands, and some of those folks were, were married into and related to the people at Dorcas. So those communities were, they were close to each other and, and related a lot with the people. There's another community that's little known. It was called Arborvita. And Arborvita was essentially the Hart settlement, the Hart family. And they lived on Lake Ella Road, actually, um, what is now Lake Ella Road. And they were there like pre-Civil War. Okay. Alan Hayes Hart had a, um, a post office there at Arborvita. We can document that in 1879. So, um, and again, that Hart family, they were a huge family that pioneered the area. And so those two communities are, are pretty uh, close associated with them. Most people call it all Dorcas now. Old Dorcas? All, like, uh, kind of oh, all of, it. all oh, of okay. that, like where everybody would have been, that's considered Dorcas and okay. almost over to Pond Creek when uh, across the Pond Creek Bridge there, uh, you're je- almost in the edge of Walton County to the Pond Creek community. I got you. So a couple of little communities there that are um, that are associated with Dorcas and, and closely tied with the families. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. There's a lot of history there, a lot of history in the old cemeteries. There's the, the New Dorcas, the Old Dorcas Cemetery, the Hart Cemetery, and um just a, a lot of those pioneer families that settled that area that uh, those names appear in those. Yeah. If you like history, it's it's cool walk. Do I like history? You know we flashbackers love history. I decided to take one of these cool walks that Ann was talking about, and I visited the old Dorcas Cemetery. It's located down what appears to be someone's driveway. I drove past the home that sits off of Dorcas Road. Pulled up to a, a fenced-in area, found the cemetery. There's a gate. Some cedar trees, a lot of cedar trees in here. Some longleaf pines. I'm already saying names, Halford family. Having a hard time reading the uh, dates on some of these tombstones. A lot of simple tombstones. Spanish moss hanging from the trees. Henry Griner, October born, 1862, died 1936. Thomas Hinote, 
1885, died 67. <clears throat> Mariah Trammell, Mama Hinote, it says. Wife of Howell Hinote. Born 1833, died. Very peaceful, calm. I could hear the wind blowing through. I see a tombstone here for W.J. Powell, Confederate soldier, born December 17th, 1840. May, died May 17th, 1924. Yeah. A little of everything. So I plan to draw from this, uh, the book that I have collected with all these photographs and things, to, to do the, um, a book, A History of Dorcas. Anne is working on a book about the Dorcas community. She has collected, over the years, a large binder full of old photographs. She brought it out for me to take a look. In my background as a photographer, I love flipping through old ones. Dorcas. Just a lot of family shots, people from that area. Oh, what was... Oh, wow, look at that photo. That's a great photo. That's a McCollum family. Is one it? One of the oldest families and most prominent in the community. I mean, the, and <clears throat> what, what uh, decade would you say this is pictured here in the 20s? The, the teens. The right. teens. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Mr. McCollum. He's got a big bushy mustache. His... Nobody's smiling in the photo. It looks like his uh, his wife there in, in, in the teens gown. <clears throat> Maybe grandparents, aunts, perhaps, and a, yeah. a son. Blended family. Blended. And then it looks like some, oh, these are just hunters. It's like I thought maybe that was law enforcement. We got some. No, I had deer on the. the um, I don't know how many people dress up in a suit and tie or three-piece suit to go hunting anymore. But they this, did. The <laughs> this is an interesting gentleman. He's the one who's the postmaster, William Alexander McCollum. He was also a midwife in the community. Really? And uh, we have records where he had a, a handwritten ledger where he kept all the uh, babies that he delivered. Wow. And this runs from 1887 until... 1923. That's a lot of babies. It was. Wow. And many of the people on this um, list that he delivered were old timers in the community when I was a kid growing mm -hmm. up. So it, it really. Woodrow, there's a Woodrow Wilson Goodwin right around the time Woodrow Wilson was president. Look at that. <laughs> Fans of the prayers. Have a lot of imagination there. This dude uh, was pretty important in the community, William George Miller. He was called Preacher Miller. He helped found the church and was a you, pastor there for me. You got, yeah, you got a picture of him. Another bushy uh, mustache uh, standing next to, I guess that would be a truck uh, yeah. back from that. I sat there another half hour with Ann going through photos and bits of micro history. You can take a look at these photos and a whole lot of other North Okaloosa County artifacts, photos, books, and other information at the Baker Block Museum. They also have free access to newspapers.com and ancestry.com. Go to their website for more information and about upcoming events at bakerblockmuseum.org. That's going to do it for this episode of Flashback. If you have an idea for an episode of Flashback, email me at OC. P-I-O at myokaloosa.com. That's O-C-P-I-O at myokaloosa.com. Special thanks to Ann Spann for her time. 
for everyone at the Baker Block Museum and the citizens of the Dorcas community. And to all of you other unknown communities, I see you. My name is Nick Tomachek. Our theme music is composed by Jason Shaw on AudioNautics.com. Thank you for listening. I'll see you around town.